One thing to speak Jesus and his gospel into a culture that is totally naive to it and it's brand new and, and there's just a clean canvas. It's, it's another thing to speak of Jesus and his gospel into a, a, a culture, into a society that thinks that it's heard it all before and has already decided that, to write him off and to write off the gospel. In, in Oakland, we've got the entire spectrum. We have, we have people who have heard of Jesus and his gospel. We have people who think they know who Jesus is, but they don't. And then we have people who are total outsiders uh, to the story altogether. Oakland has the entire spectrum. And so in this most challenging time and place, the, the most important discipline of, of discipleship is to keep asking the question, who is Jesus? We have to keep asking that. As, as a community, as a church, we're a community following Jesus for the renewal of Oakland. So we have to keep asking, who is this Jesus that we're seeking to follow? Every new change, every new turning point, every new development in our lives is going to bring up that question in a fresh way. You could also say every new circumstance, every new turning point, it's Jesus himself who's posing the question to us. Who, who do you say that I am? Jesus himself is asking that question. In this most challenging time and place, who do you say that I am? And, and our answer to his question is going to determine the quality of our vision about what we believe can be done in Jesus' name in our time and in our place and in our lives. Uh, this is how an early Jesus follower named Paul uh, described Jesus in, uh, in Colossians 1. He says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we hear this, and uh, you start to get the sense that the death and resurrection of Jesus, that it's, it's like the center of everything. It's the center of history. You, you hear this, and, and you start to get the sense that Jesus is the starting point for a brand new way to understand everything. Christ came to make us whole again. He came to make us integrated. He's present to us in our everyday lives, and the call of Jesus has everything to do with everything that we are. But the question is, if, if, if Jesus really is the redeemer of all things, how does God's story redeem our stories? How does God's story and what he's up to redeem our city? How does he redeem our lives and the lives of the people that we care about and live with and work with? So to answer that question, this whole summer is going to be a, a journey through the story of scripture. Uh, we're calling it God's story and our story because we want to gain a biblical understanding of, of who God is and who we are and the role of Christian faith in the modern world with all of its challenges. Um, because one of the more difficult things about following Jesus is just to understand how we're supposed to do things from day to day. How, how does my ordinary day to day connect with faith? Um, last night, I'm, I'm in the checkout line at, at, at CVS, you know, just, just, getting some, just getting some stuff, you know. 
um, just a couple supplies. And it's just, one, it's just one of those things you could just coast through and just kind of check out. And, and, and even you've probably been in that situation too where the, where the checker themselves is, is checked out mentally. And they're just, they're just waiting for their shift to end. This isn't really what, where they want to be or what they want to be doing with, with their evening. But I just had the coolest conversation with, uh, with the guy. And it, it, it started with, uh, his name's Donald. And, I, and I'm, I'm praying that at some point um, he, he's, he's open to the way of Jesus. Um, he, I told him my son's names, David and Jonathan, and he has some knowledge of the scriptures to be able to say, oh, David and Jonathan, those are biblical names, right? And, and it was like, okay, here we go. And we started talking. And, um, but just an ordinary thing where just going through our day-to-day -day lives and just going, oh, you know what? That, that wasn't just like an ordinary um, CVS checkout experience. Like, Maybe, God, maybe God's up to something there. I, I, I'm going to keep going there and keep looking for Donald, and who knows what God's up to in his life. But that's, that's one of the difficult things about following Jesus is just like, God, in the, in the mundane, ordinary things, how, how are you at work? Because um, we usually get this sense that life is going to be just so epic, and, and there's just a lot of things that are really ordinary. And you're like, God, how do you meet me here? I know like the epic, the epic stuff, sure, I'm, I'm looking for that. But what about these places where... I don't know. I don't know if I'm necessarily expecting to see you there. What does the Christian faith have to do with all this? If we want to take the claims of Jesus seriously, this is a question we've got to answer because there's all kinds of competing stories out there about what, what makes life important, um, how we're going to find happiness and meaning and the good life. Jesus said that he came to redeem the whole world, and he claims the title of Lord of the world uh, for how he's going to do this. So, does Christianity matter to my reality, to my day-to-day, -day, or are Christians just waiting around for heaven? And this doesn't really count this time here. Because we live in a world that compartmentalizes things, and we even experience this um, among other Christians. There are things that some of us have been told are sacred, and other things that we have been told are secular. Or we say, oh, that's for the private sector, and that's for the, but that's, that's for the public sector. You know, and, and, and we live in a world that divides these things up. In other words, there's some things apparently that matter to God, and then there's other things that don't matter to God, or that uh, people who follow God can't really speak into. That's it's sort of hands-off. And if we listen to that voice, it compartmentalizes, it compartmentalizes our lives as Christians. It puts certain things in boxes. And so then on Sunday, like a day like today, there's things we sing about and talk about and pray about and things that we say and believe that we believe are true. But then on Monday, how does that even make a difference? From Monday to Saturday, does God have anything to do with any of that? Um, it's, it's possible to slip into a kind of practical atheism. Not, not an atheism that is just this defiant decision not to believe, but more of an atheism that just has trouble seeing how God has anything to do with my day-to-day, -day, with the things that I'm longing for in life, in my relationships, in school, in sex, in my dreams for the future, what the things I do for fun. Does, does God have anything to do with, with those areas of life? Um, in a minute, I'm going to need your help um, filling out uh, these two columns here. Um, where I see Jesus and where I struggle to see Jesus. Um, but I'll give you a, a chance to think about that. Um, our faith in Christ means something for every aspect of our lives. But it's still difficult to see Jesus in the different places that we find ourselves. Um, just think about, think, think on your past week and, and where you were and what, and what you're up to, how you spent your time. Remember some of the different places and activities and situations you were involved in. 
where, where did you see Jesus? Where were you like, oh, that was, that was cool. That was a moment right there. Where did you feel his presence? But then where did you not feel connected to him? Where was your like CVS checkout counter moment where you just kind of on autopilot? Where were you having a hard time seeing how he was at work? Or you wanted him to be at work in that situation, but you're like, God, where are you? What are you doing? So um, I'd love to hear some, some thoughts uh, from, from you guys. Um, so first of all, maybe we'll, let's just start off. Where, 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 did you, where did you see Jesus? If you could call out like a word that would describe a, a place or a situation. Where's, where's a place where you're like, yeah, I, I saw Jesus there? Bus stop. bus stop, okay. At the bus stop. What else? Where, where, at work? Beautiful. Where else? In prison? Where else? Books. books? Yeah, seeing God in books. He was speaking through that. What else? In your children. I agree. In song? In song? Yeah. Songs? Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. In song. All right, I got space for one more. In your heart. My heart. Oh, sorry. Um, okay, where, um, where this week... Where are you, where you, what are some areas where you're struggling to see Jesus? Where you're like, either you wanted to see him there and it just wasn't, it wasn't happening, or you're just like, I'm not really sure how God works in, the, in these kinds of situations or these areas of life. I, I, I wish I knew, I wish I, I saw that, but yeah. What, what are some areas where you'd say, I, I'm, I'm struggling to, with your boss? <laughs> that one is, who else can relate to that one? My boss. What else? Where's the struggle? Coworkers. Say again? Coworkers. Coworkers, yes. It's getting real, guys. Where else? Friends. Neighbor, friends. So a lot, a lot of relationship kind of stuff. Neighbors, friends, politics. politics. <laughs> That's a whole other sermon. Yes. Where else? Commute. On your commute, yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And some commutes more than others. Yes. I got room for one more. Social media and? Okay, yeah. I'm going to put mental illness and homelessness, specifically the homeless population. Thank you. Okay. So here's, here's, the heart. here's the heart behind this summer. I'm going to draw a circle around all this. The, the hope for this summer is that we could, make, we could have a faith that makes sense of all reality, all of these things, that there wouldn't be separate boxes, there wouldn't be separate columns and categories. So what I want all of us to be asking God to do this summer is to open our eyes to see what we're reading in Colossians to say, God, what I just read in Colossians, I want it to be true that in you, Jesus, all things hold together. So everything in this column and category, but everything over here too. The places where I, it's easy to see you at work and the places where I'm struggling. Because it's important that Christianity is true and not just some comforting story that gets us by. It's really important that this is true. And, and my guess is that all of us want to live with authenticity that we want to live with integrity. 
A lot of us are here responding to God's call on our lives, that we want to reflect his character in the world and all the places where we find ourselves. Jesus calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. So in other words, be a blessing to the world by not conforming to it. You're not going to be a blessing if, if you just conform. Because in, in the middle of, of this complexity of life, there's, there's, it's easy to fall into one of two temptations. One temptation is to assimilate, to become totally indistinguishable from the people around us, where there's nothing about our lives that stands out and alerts people to the reality that God might be up, up to something, that God might want everything to do with their lives. It's really, there are so many situations we find ourselves in with family or work or things where it would just be easier to just slide in to how it goes for everybody else. But then, we, then nothing about our lives stands out. That's, that's one temptation. The other temptation is to withdraw because we don't want to assimilate, because we've seen that happen in other people's lives or in our own lives, we don't want that. We go the other direction. And so we, we retreat into like a Christian cultural ghetto. And we only hang out with people who believe with us the same way. We listen to music that affirms all those things. We just surround ourselves by all these things. Um, and yeah, we stand out like we look different. But is there anything about our lives that's compelling? for people who are out, out, outsiders to this whole thing. So to, to assimilate or to withdraw, how do we avoid those temptations? All summer long, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this. How do we live faithfully in the world as a blessing and also witnesses to Christ's coming kingdom and Christ's kingdom that's, that's accessible and available to us right now? Those are some of the questions we're gonna be exploring. And these are not new questions. Uh, it's a question that two of the first disciples had just after Jesus had died on the cross. So I'm going to read from, uh, from Luke 24, 13 to 35. I love this story. Um, Luke 24, 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with one another about everything that had happened. And what had just happened? Jesus had died on the cross. As far as they knew, that was, that's, all, that's all that's happened. As they talked and they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what were you discussing together as you walk along? I love this about Jesus. They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he says, uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. 
As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them assembled together and they said, it's true, the Lord is risen and he's appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I love that story. So these two disciples are on the road. They're on the way. They're Jews, so they know the story inside and out. They've known it ever since they were able to know anything. They are steeped in Jewish culture, but at the same time, they're surrounded by all these other competing cultures. So Greek philosophy and Roman imperial power, all these huge stories. These are the stories that dominated their world. And these guys are a lot like us. They're feeling confused. They're feeling pretty small in the world. The story that they thought explained their lives seems to have fallen apart just, the day before, uh, just three days before. They, they say these words, we had hoped. There's so much weight to those, those words right there. We, we had hoped, but they had left everything to follow Jesus of Nazareth. And day by day, as he taught and he healed and he put the life of God on display, more and more they begin to open themselves up in hope that maybe finally their story and the story of their nation, it was coming to fulfillment in, this, in, in their teacher, in their rabbi, this prophet, Jesus. But then Jesus is betrayed and arrested and tried and mocked and crucified on a Roman cross. The imperial Roman story seems to have won. The bigger story seems to have triumphed over their teacher, and the story that they were building their lives on, well, it, it died with Jesus, and it was buried there with him in the tomb. Into that context, Jesus encounters them. They can't recognize Jesus, even though he's standing right in front of them, even though he's walking right alongside them, even though he's talking to them. And this is us. We, we also struggle to see Jesus in our everyday lives. Even though we know he's promised to be with us to the end of the age. We, we, don't, we don't see how Jesus is connected to our reality. How, what he, does he have anything to do with technology and relationships and science and healthcare and war and, and government and poverty and addiction and the challenges of family and sexual identity and paying the bills and... The commute. Where's God on the commute? What, what if we've allowed our confusion and our disappointment and our fear and our, our sense of smallness to dominate our perception of what's really going on in the world? And what if, as a result, we can't recognize Jesus who's present to us right now and walking on the road with us right now? In, in their confusion and their disappointment, Jesus takes them back through the story of Scripture to help them understand it. 
Have you ever wondered why Jesus did that? Why didn't he just go, you guys, it's me. Ta-da. But instead, rather than just reveal himself right away, he patiently holds back. And Jesus, Jesus explains the story of the scriptures to them. Rather than reveal himself, why does he do that? I think it's because Jesus knows us very well. I think it's because Jesus knows that stories are crucial for human life. They help us make sense of our lives. And so they had the wrong story, and he's going to help them with this story. The atheist um, turned Catholic moral philosopher, Alistair um, McIntyre, he, he said this. He said, I, I can only answer the question, what am I to do if I can answer the prior question of what story or stories do I find myself apart? When, when I say that we live by stories, I, I mean that there are all kinds of stories that can tell us who we are and where we come from and what's really important. Stories are claims about the, the nature of ultimate reality, how it all holds together, where it's all going. And our culture has all kinds of stories uh, to offer. And some of these stories come from scientific materialism or environmentalism or identity politics or capitalism or secular tolerance. All these stories claim to tell us who we are, what's important, what life's all about. And we know which stories we believe because we live by them. We, we make decisions according to the stories that we believe. And our, the stories that we believe have consequences. What we believe about the world, which stories we say yes to, is going to shape our thoughts and our desires. But it's also going to shape our expectations about what is possible. You, you hold on to a certain story and then there is a, there's a boundary line drawn for what is and is not possible in the world and in your life. Stories change what we are able to see. So how, let's ask ourselves, how, how am I being shaped today? Which, which stories am I living by? Which stories are, are, are allowing me to see or not to see what's going on in the world? Because life doesn't make sense until we put it into the context of a larger story. Our, uh, our East Bay friends and neighbors, they are wrestling with questions about what it means to be human, what makes life significant. And you're gonna hear a lot of answers that are related to success and prosperity. But um, I, I, what I'm not hearing is a lot of understanding about what makes life good. I really, I'm not hearing a lot about that. I'm hearing, look out for me and mine. I'm hearing, uh, here's how to make a bunch of money. Uh, don't ever slow down, ever. Just keep going, going, going. I'm not hearing what makes a life good. And the disciples on the road to Emmaus uh, are like us, where they lost sight of, of the true story. And so they were confused and they were blinded to Jesus, even though he was right in front of them. They didn't expect to see Jesus, and so they could not recognize him. And that's us. If I am not expecting to see Jesus in this time and place and space, I won't see him. What you look for, you'll find. But if you're not looking for it, if you're not expecting it, you're not going to see him. So Jesus had to open up their minds to the scriptures. And it's my hope that Jesus wants to do the same eye-opening thing for this community, but for, for his people everywhere, in all places. Jesus wants us to understand the story of ultimate reality from God's perspective, from God's vantage point. 
Jesus gives these disciples the right angle and framework to understand all of it and the grand story of the Bible. He says to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And they're like, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Where's that? And, he, and so he's like, okay. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he walks them through the story of scripture and he explains to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. They didn't have the key and the lens to see what God had been up to the whole time. He's like, it was right here, guys, let me show you. And they had the most amazing walk and talk with Jesus. The majority of the Bible that we hold in our hands is in stories, just tons of stories from beginning to end. But the Bible as a whole also is a large scale story from beginning to end. It has a beginning. It starts off with, with uh, questions about who God is and what does it mean to be human and why are we here? It also has an end where it says, this is the vision of where history is going. This is what it's gonna look like in the end. But there's also a middle, which is full of all these stories that are meant to help us to understand how to live and how not to live in, in our middle times and places. If, if Jesus followers like me and you wanna see things truthfully and not get duped and drawn into smaller stories that are being offered to us all the time, then it's really crucial that we're not in autopilot mode and instead we are doing our very best to understand the biblical story and where we are in it and asking Jesus, open my eyes, show me your story, show me what you're up to in the world. Luke, the storyteller of the Emmaus Road story, he deliberately pairs the opening of the scriptures with the opening of the eyes of the disciples. That same word for, for opening uh, he uses to connect the two things. Their eyes were opened as Jesus retold the story, and then they respond with all this passion and excitement. He, they, ha they recognize him, he disappears, and then they turn to each other and they're just like, did you have the same experience I had? Wasn't your heart burning within you when Jesus was talking with us on the road, when he was explaining the scriptures to us? Wasn't your heart burning? Yeah. Yeah, mine too. And this is what I believe that Jesus wants to do in your heart and mine, for our, our lives to be captured with the story of what God's been up to and to find our place in that story. And um, to help this uh, become a little more concrete for us, I want to invite up my friend Jason. Um, and, uh, and he's, got a, he's got his own Emmaus Road uh, story. Let's welcome up Jason. Let's welcome up Jason. Thank you. Thank you. So Jason, everybody, everybody, Jason. Hi. Yeah. Let me get, can I switch places with you? Sorry. All right, thanks, man. Um, so um, Jason's usually uh, in a more behind-the-scenes role, making sure that the slides come up. And, uh, and so he, I, I owe him big time <laughs> to bring him up like this. But, um, but I, I, got to, I got a sense for Jason's story um, just in the months that we've known each other, but, also, but then also in the last couple of weeks, talked specifically about this story. And I said, hey, is this, has this ever happened to you, that sense of like your heart being on fire? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got a story. So um, for, first of all, Jason, um, do, can you share about a time when um, Jesus was walking with you, but you didn't realize it? I mean, like that's, that was the experience of these disciples on the Emmaus Road. He, he was right there. They didn't recognize him. Do you relate to that? Uh, I do relate to that. Um, just to <clears throat> go back a little bit, you know, I grew up in the church. Uh, my mom had us going to church right away in the beginning and all the way up through high school. I, I was going to church. I went to two youth groups. Uh, I was a youth deacon and a youth elder. 
And then, then there came a point where, like, after high school, I joined the Navy. And I, use, I like to use the term that I've been describing lately is, like, after that, I, I tried to go to the base chapel and, and go to church on Sundays, but this ship was not always in port all the time. So that came a point in my life where I, I used the term, I put God in my backpack and I slung him back there. And, and so I always knew he was there throughout the next parts of my life, but um, I never, I, I, I kept him back there. I kept him and Jesus back there and I kind of like strayed away from from walking with him, so. Mm -hmm. What um, what started to change? When when did what was like the tipping point, or when Jesus started to make himself clear to you and and started to see him again? What what happened? Uh, the tipping point for me was you know when I threw uh, God and Jesus in my backpack and I kept him back there. Uh, it led to a, a, a twenty-five year walk without him. Really, you know, I always knew he was back there, but. It led to me uh, straying away from his word and straying away from like-minded people. And so I, I started the cycle of making bad decisions, um, you know, uh, doing things. You guys know, most of you know, I'm at City Team, so I'm in a, in a drug rehab right now. But uh, that can, you can get the gist of all that. I'm not going to go into, like, nightmare <laughs> war stories or anything like that. But... Uh, decisions after decisions after decisions of uh, being selfish and self-centered and doing the things that I wanted to do and not walking with Jesus but to go back to the original question um, what I've come to understand and believe in now is that Jesus was always walking with me even through all those tough times because I'm still here yeah I've done a lot of things where I probably shouldn't be here anymore and so I've come to realize over the last uh, several months at, at City Team or eight months now that, you know, Jesus was always walking hand in hand with me. I just forgot about it or I chose not to recognize it. But now that I'm back in the scripture, I'm back with like-minded people and I'm back with the people that really care about me, that I'm going to cry right now, that I know he was walking with me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks, Mike. What, um, and then, and you relate to that experience of the disciples saying like, weren't, my heart was on fire when he was, when he was talking with us. How, where, where are you at with that too, with that sense of your, your heart being on fire? You can relate to, to them? Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. As you can tell by my emotions. <laughs> um, so what happens for me every day is I know that when I go to bed, you know, it's like, I, I, I choose to refer to like a, a wood stove. It's been burning bright all day long, and then at night I go to sleep. And so when you get up in the morning, you have to, uh, you have to restoke that fire. So the first thing I do in the morning is when my alarm clock goes off is I hit snooze, but I don't go back to bed. The first thing I do is I remind myself of that feeling I had when I walked up the stairs of City Team to try to get in the program. Hmm. That's the first thing I do so I don't forget what my day is going to be like because I want to remind myself that I don't want to ever go back to that feeling again. So uh, the next step for me is to sit there until my, you know, the alarm clock goes off again as I count out every grateful thing that I'm grateful for. Uh, grateful for God to be in my life. I'm grateful for the people that I've been surrounding myself with and like-minded people. I'm grateful for you and Sarah and uh, just being tenacious at trying to get the guys at City Team over here and to care about us. And then 
throughout my day there's like good things that happen and how I, I keep that fire burning bright all day long is I just look up and I say thank you for that that was really good or mm -hmm. I'm maybe my mind's wandering a little bit and I want to just refocus myself I said I need your help right now and then that feeling of like getting unfocused is uh, uh, brought back and it's just throughout the day I get these warm fuzzy feelings you know when you like poke the fire a little bit and the sparks come up yeah that, that's how my day yeah. is yeah. I feel warm and fuzzy all day long yeah. so. oh man so good thank you Jason yeah thank you can we thank Jason thank you. I'm feel warm and fuzzy now. Oh man. I um I needed I needed to hear that. I um I I don't so different we're all different. Um I'm I'm the kind of person that when I wake up in the morning I probably wake up at like negative 20% and and uh coffee helps, but also um whatever burdens or or things that I'm carrying or thinking about or things that weigh down on me, it, it takes a while to come up from that. And and I know not everybody's like that, but maybe that helps for you to know that the, the pastor of this group, that's that's how most of his mornings are. Um, and I just from Jason's story, I, I want to I'm just going, all right, you know what, maybe I need to make that regular practice of going, what am I what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? Because uh, that's going to put my eyes on who God is and what he's up to and what he's been up to. Cause I don't know that I, I'm always focusing on those things. I'm thinking about the problem. I'm thinking about the burden. And so thank you, Jason. Uh, you just gave me a really helpful practice and I'll, I'll tell you how it's going uh, as I try that out. Um, wherever you're at with this, however you might be feeling at this point in your life, I want you to be encouraged from this story, uh, from Jason's story, what you can know is that Jesus has drawn near to you. And you might not see him, you might not sense him right now, but he has drawn near to you. And he wants to open up his story to you, he wants to open up the scriptures to you, to open your eyes so that you can see him at work in your everyday life and to give you an understanding of, God, what are you up to in the world? What's your purpose? What, what, what are you doing? I wanna know that you're present in the world and in all these different situations where I find myself. And God, I want you to reignite my passion for you. If, if, and if any of you feel like I, that, that stove image that, um, that Jason shared, where you just go, yeah, I just feel like the embers are just like barely hanging on and, and I, I need that fire restoked again. I wanna, I wanna get called back to my first love. I want to be called back to, to those moments when God was fresh and real and, and alive in my heart. But I know I can't do that for myself. That has to be something that God does as he walks along the road with me. So God, that's what I want. That's what I want for me. And, and I'm guessing there's different ones of us in here that that's where you're at too. And that's my hope for us this summer. But I want you to be encouraged. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you in your everyday life. So what if this summer we began to see that God's story is our story. And it's, it, it, it is the story that we, we actively choose to live according to. Because we go, this is, this is the better way to live. And as a result, we start to find that our stories start to get weaved into God's story. What if, what if that was a, a, something that happened this summer? But, but maybe you're having a hard time believing that a, a, a new way to see things is, is possible. You've, you've been in kind of a slump for a long time and it's hard to, to be hopeful about that again. It's, it's, hope, it's hard to be hopeful that, that Jesus could enlarge your field of vision and, and bring it all into focus and, and, and ignite that fire in your heart. The story that Jesus told to these disciples made everything clear for them because it made sense of everything. And that's my hope and prayer for all of us, 
that Jesus gives us a story that makes sense of everything. Suddenly, these disciples understood what the Apostle Paul described as the mystery of God that was revealed in Christ. Um, or C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, I believe in Christianity in the same way that I believe that the sun has risen. Not, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. This summer is an opportunity for you to re-encounter the truth that Jesus is a brand new starting point for what it means to live fully human, fully alive, fully integrated into his story. And in our, in our culture and in, in, the, in the lives and friends and neighbors and people that we know where we're just seeing all this fragmentation and disconnection, Jesus has come because he wants to open our eyes. And, and he wants to offer us abundant life. That's, his, that's, that's the promise that he holds out for you and me today and for this summer. The gospel is as, as true as it always has been. It is the power of God that is the salvation for everyone who believes. That has always been true. So I want to give you the chance to consider, where is my Emmaus road? On, on your chair, there's a, a small white piece of paper and a pen. And, and I want you to just take a moment to consider where, where, what God kept bringing up to you as, as we talked. Consider where your Emmaus road is. Where are you experiencing confusion? Where, where are you experiencing disappointment? Where is there a loss of confidence to go, man, this, 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 this Jesus and his way, uh, I, I'm, I'm losing confidence that this is, this is what, it, what God says it is, or that it's everything it's cracked up to be. Where, where do you long to see God present and acting, where you go, God, this situation, this person, this relationship, I want to see that you're at work and you're real and you have everything to do with this. When, when you think of what your Emmaus road is, wherever it is that you would want to see Jesus walking alongside that road with you, uh, write that down on, on your paper. And, um, and then just hold on to that piece of paper. And, and even though each of us are different, we've all got unique skills and gifts and we're all in different life stages, what could be really uniting this summer is that all of us could go on this discipleship journey with God, but also with each other. We could be sharing with one another. Here's, here's what God's doing in my life and here's my Emmaus road and here's where I'm, I'm struggling to understand. We have uh, community groups that meet during the week. We've got one that meets on Wednesdays uh, with my friend Melanie, and we've got one that meets on Mondays with my friend Laura. And uh, Laura's group meets in the East Bay area in Danville, and Melanie's group meets in Oakland. And um, you could have some other partners for this journey. Uh, to, this would be a great time to check out a community group because we're all just starting. There's, everybody's going to be new to this and what we're talking about this summer. We, we all just got started, so nobody's, nobody's gonna be behind. We all just got started. So this is a great time to check that out. The, the gospel involves everyone and everything. And so this summer, today, what if, what if you received Jesus' invitation to go on an Emmaus road walk with him? What if you said, God, Jesus, here's my road. I want to I wanna see that you've been walking with me this whole time, like Jason shared. You've been there the whole time. I just wasn't looking for you. I wasn't making space for you. But now, Jesus, I want to I I walk this with you. Let's, uh, let's ask Jesus to encounter us and to walk alongside us so that we can see our stories as part of God's story. So 
If you would, um, on the screen, we're going to put this Emmaus Road prayer. Um, it was written nearly a thousand years ago by this uh, fellow Christ follower. And uh, I'll start, and, uh, and your part uh, will be in bold. So I'll, I'll read, and then if you could read the part in bold. And, uh, and if you would, could you stand? All right, I'll start. Leader to life, path to truth, our Lord Jesus Christ. You led Joseph to Egypt and the people of Israel through the Red Sea, and Moses to Mount Sinai and his people to the land of promise. And you traveled with Cleopas and his companion to Emmaus. And next slide. Now I pray you, Lord, lead me and my companions to travel in peace on the journey before us. Save us from the visible and invisible enemy and lead us safely to the place we are headed. For you are our way and our truth and our life. Glory and worship to you now and always and unto the ages of ages. Amen. 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 Uh, you can have a seat unless it feels good to stand. Um, we're going to celebrate communion. And um, if you wrote something on your paper, um, there at the Bible table here in the back, uh, there is a, a road, a painting of a road. And just to remind you of your own Emmaus Road walk. And, um, and you can, after communion, um, leave your paper there. Leave it as a prayer. Um, you can fold your paper in half if you'd rather keep that, things confidential and, and to yourself. But if, if, you don't, if, if you don't mind other people seeing what you wrote, you could, you could put it there. It's up to you. But let it be a prayer. Go, God, you see this. You know what I wrote. You already knew what I was going to write. You know where I'm at. You see me. And so this is my prayer. Meet me here on my, my Emmaus Road. And um, so after you receive the bread and the cup uh, here, uh, then just round the corner, and, th and then you can drop off your paper um, as you get to your seat. Um, but also as you round the corner, um, there's, there's folks who'd be glad to pray with you. And um, I'll... Uh, they, they would, as they pray with you, they also would uh, anoint your head with oil. And um, you can opt out. If, if that's not for you, they're not going to like stand in your way and, and keep you from receiving an anointing oil. But um, let me tell you what this means, and maybe you'll actually uh, want to receive this. Uh, for thousands of years, God's people have received anointing oil in the times when they were in need of God's Spirit. In, uh, especially for today, as we're considering our Emmaus Road and, and places where we're not seeing Jesus at work and we're wanting to, anointing oil could be this really tangible reminder, God, you're here. God, I know you want to reveal yourself to me on my Emmaus Road. And so I'm receiving this oil as a, as a prayer to say, God, I, I need your presence. I, I want to know that you're with me in, in these different areas of my life. So if that sounds like something you want to ask God to do, then before you round the corner and go back to your seat, um, there's folks who would pray with you and they'll anoint your head with oil. And now you know what that means. And that can be your prayer. So um, the bread and the cup are, are ready and the communion team can come up. And... Um, you can rip off a piece of bread and dip that into the cup. If, uh, if you're not a Christ follower, um, but you'd still like to participate in this, um, just come up to the, the communion team and just cross your arms over, over your chest, and that'll let them know that you just want them to um, say, the Lord bless you. So if you cross your arms over your chest, they'll just put a hand on your shoulder and say, the Lord bless you. And that's how you can participate in this. But otherwise, you can break off a piece of bread. We also have a gluten-free option, and you can dip it into the cup. 
the body and the blood of, of, of Jesus. And then around the corner, you can receive prayer and anointing oil if you like, and you can leave your uh, Emmaus Road prayer right there in front of the road painting. So uh, let's, we'll start with the, uh, the, the, the first row, and you can come forward, and then you can uh, move around to, to the outside. So let's worship, let's pray, let's receive this communion.